Take one. That wasn't our real intro? No. Okay. Are you introing us? Do that, yes. Oh, you just crackled like hardcore. Welcome to an exciting week on the D3 Datacast. I'm Zach Snyder, joined by the birthday boy, Matt Snyder. That's Happy today. birthday, brother. That's today, isn't it? Thank you. Appreciate that sentiment there. That was very, very kind gesture there. Well, everyone out in listener land is going to give uh, the video a thumbs up, and they're going to click the subscribe button if they haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel yet, Matt. Just in honor of your birthday, a little happy birthday, Matt, thumbs up Appreciate from all the, great, all the great listeners out there. I know that's going to happen. Appreciate those thumbs up. Those are great. So, Matt, I know, I know you're pumped about your birthday, but this week you're even more excited for the release of our first set of regional rankings. This, Birthdays are fine, but regional rankings are something really worth celebrating. It feels like we've been talking about this since October before the actual season started, about which games have implications for regional rankings and the things. And this is the week. These are the startings of the week. Every week from here on out until selections, we're going to have new regional rankings. So we're going to find out which games were important. Right. So before we look ahead, Matt, let's look back on the week that was. Is there someone that jumped out at you that you would say won the week? Yeah, I'm going to go out to Iowa, the American Rivers Conference. I'm going to say Central won the week for me. Uh, they had a big, they had a win over uh, Buena Vista midweek, but then a huge 25-point win over Loris on Saturday. Uh, this is coming after the previous weekend's 19-point win over Coe. Uh, Central's just a half game behind Coe for the American Rivers Conference lead. They're looking like a major threat. That's one of the best conferences in the country. They're looking like a big threat there. Central's playing really strong right now, and for me, uh, they won the week. What about you, Zach? For me, I'm going to go with Randolph-Macon. They got a big win at Hampton-Sydney, and they've they've been known in that lead pack in the ODAC for a while, but I think this win really stakes their claim as a potential number one when the new poll comes out. For whatever reason... You know, the computers have liked Randolph-Macon all year long, but it seems like the human voters have been a little bit slower to react. Matt, we, you go back to uh, the episode released around Christmas time, the 10 things we were wrong about coming into the year. We thought maybe this is the year Randolph-Macon takes a step back, but that hasn't been the case. Uh, you know, and here we are early February, and we're talking about them as a legitimate choice at the top of a top 25 ballot. Um, and Matt, it's just... More than that, it's just so impressive to me how they've turned the, over the roster. They won a national championship just two seasons ago, right? And, uh, you know, Daniel Bongay, Will Coble are still here. They were, you know, important players. Maybe not the first two or three players you rattle off from that national championship team, but they were played important roles on that team. But the rest of that roster has turned over. You know, back then we're talking about Buzz Anthony, Miles Mallory, you know, uh, go down the list. But they've turned that roster over. This, you know, it's Daniel Bangay, Will Coble, uh, Lance Johnson saw some action a couple years ago, but you know he wasn't getting as many minutes in that tournament run. It like the three of them were the most significant contributors. And then it's not even necessarily that this team is those guys plus some guys were like sitting on the bench for that national championship run. They've mixed in some freshmen, sophomores this year. It's just really impressive. We're, we're talking about Randolph-Macon. I think they were already known as a great program more than just a great team that won that national championship. But this just goes to show when you truly are one of the great programs, not just a great team, but a great program, the kind of thing that's possible when you really have it rolling. 
Yeah, I think you're right. Sign of a great program, getting kind of the next generation of talent developed and ready to take over the mantle. Um, I, I, I'll admit not being intimately familiar with their roster, but it doesn't strike me as a, a ton of fifth-year senior grad transfer type players into the program, right? It's players that have kind of come up through the system. Um, and in, 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 this, in this day and age where we have like that COVID fifth year available, I don't really think that they're building a, a team of transfers. So they're just kind of building it up through the, the, right, the, the four-year cycle of kind of players that we're, we're seeing. Um, and you're, I think you're right. This is the, one of the top-notch programs in the country right now. And this is one of the years that's kind of proving what we already know to a, to a large degree. Now, I swear I didn't choose Randolph-Macon just because it provides a really nice segue into our next segment, looking at your, your top 25 ballot for this week. But I'll take the opportunity to use that as a perfect segue to go into your top 25 ballot for this week, if we could. All right, Zach. So here we are jumping over to my top 25 ballot for the week. Uh, and I will maybe just call out right at the top. You mentioned Randolph-Macon. Uh, they beat Hampton-Sydney this week, but I'm sticking right now with Hampton-Sydney 1, Randolph-Macon 2. Uh, this is a very similar top, maybe five or so of last week. John Carroll 3, Trine 4, Guilford 5. So that's where I am at the top of my ballot. You know, I looked at that Hampton City Randolph Macon game, a very close game. I think it was a two point margin at the end. Um, in my mind, this was maybe two of the best teams, maybe the two best teams in the country going at it, playing a close game, kind of an expected result. This is Randolph Macon's, um, you know, kind of revenge game because Hampton City got the win uh, on Randolph Macon's home court early in the year. So they've now split the season series. Uh, so even with that, even with the close the close loss, I felt okay keeping Hampton Sydney one. But I think I think maybe these are the two best teams in the country right now. Um, maybe other things in my ballot rounding out the top ten is Keene State, Trinity, Texas, Trinity, Connecticut, Oswego State, and Platteville. Um, I'm going with uh, our alma mater, Calvin, at number fifteen. And then kind of, I, I always don't know really what to do from kind of 20 to 25, but this week I settled on Coe at 20, then Rowan, who was in my ballot last week, DeSales at 22, Elmhurst 23, and then Central, who won my week at 24, and sticking with Loris, uh, keeping three American Rivers teams in there at 25. But uh, there's a lot of big decisions at the end of my ballot there, and that's kind of where I went. Yeah, I want to go back one more time, if we can, to the, the top two there, Hampton, yeah. Sydney, and Randolph Macon, you mentioned that this was really the revenge game, or this was the game that you know brings the two back to even in terms of the season series. So I, I feel like you're probably looking at it like like that perspective, where okay, Randolph Macon matched what Hampton Sydney had already done, so I'm going to count them kind of even, and then maybe not lean so much on what we just saw in that result, but count that as even from what we saw earlier and then look at the totality of the picture and at this point you feel better a little bit about Hampton Sydney of course then you start thinking about like a blowout win at John Carroll and some other yeah. impressive wins that Hampton Sydney has had is that is that right um in terms of how you're thinking about it yeah I think it's I think it's a little bit difficult because if you take this result and then uh, Randolph Macon's recent results, I think one could reasonably say, like if I'm voting right now, maybe I could, I think maybe Randolph Macon is playing a little bit better right now. And I think that's totally fair. Uh, for me in this like one versus two here, I was taking a little bit of a wider approach and still sort of considering some of those earlier season results, uh, November and December a little bit. Uh, that, that big John Carroll result, I think still is a significant one. I think we saw Hampton City really, really solidify themselves 
Uh, I certainly wasn't going to drop him any farther than two after this weekend if I wanted to make a change at all. That's still a big one. Uh, Randolph-Macon, though, their losses were a little bit early on. And since then, they've really, really played very, very well, one of the top teams in the country. So uh, I think anyone could go either way on this one, but I did feel comfortable taking a little bit more of a total resume approach for right now and, and taking Hampton City one. Right, and you touched on it. And the other way to think about it then would be to take the recency of this event into account. And I think that's fair too. I just think it's interesting having this being the, the like the Randolph-Macon win at Hampton City being the more recent result, but then also all it doing really in terms of the season series is evening it up. So I think it's fair to look at it either way. It's just, in, it's just interesting to be able to hear you talk about it. And then, you know, maybe as we're seeing other ballots, we'll see other people think about it a little bit differently. And, you know, that's why there's 25 voters because 25 people could think about it 25 different ways. Um, um, and, and, and just one more ahead. thing, if this was maybe six, eight, 10 point game, then I probably would have made a switch here, but a two point game where Hampton Sydney, you know, was right there at the buzzer as a, as a chance to tie, maybe, um, you know, I, it was basically the tight game we expected. And so a possession either way is really not going to sway me too much there. All right. All right, Matt, the other thing, you know, we've talked about the UAA, the depth, the strength of the UAA all season. If I'm looking correctly here, you're down to just two UAAs in this week's top 25. Uh, you know, it, it starts, I think, early in the season, three for sure. There have been times where you figure there's a top four. So I think being down to just two is significant. How are you thinking about the UAAs as you're approaching your top 25? Yeah, I think I've spent most of the year with four UAA teams ranked. Uh, so Case and NYU are in my ballot this week. But Mo, uh, Emory and Wash U have mostly been in, sometimes out. Um, you know, they, they both took some losses this weekend. They're good teams. They're definitely in that next mix. We've been talking all year about like 25 to 35 are just as good as basically 15 to 25. They're definitely in that mix. They're still right there with me. Some other teams, um, you know, like UW-Whitewater was highly ranked to start the season. They're probably a team in that mix. A team for me like WPI is in that mix. Tufts, I think, has now just fallen out for me in that mix. I think there's so many teams that are good that could get into the tournament still, that could win a, a game or two in the tournament. Like, it wouldn't shock, like, if Emory and Wash U can get their way into the tournament. I think Wash U's probably still looking pretty good. Maybe Emory's going to want to win some games here. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if either of them make a Sweet 16, right? There's still I still think of the teams as that good, but we just have so, uh, like, a logjam of, of talent in the top 40 or so that, for me, now they're just out. They're in that kind of, you know, 25 to 35 range uh, just outside. And that and that doesn't mean the UAA is any any less of a conference. It's still you know, one or two in the country probably uh, because everyone's good. But I think, you know, it's it's really hard to have multiple, multiple teams elite. I think they, maybe the ODAC does this year, but I don't know that anyone else does. I think it's a fair read to say that earlier on when we were thinking of it, maybe like a top four, bottom four, there's two of that top four have seen more like, yeah. like there's a, like less of a gap, right? There's not like this clear cut kind of middle ground. Um, Emory and Wash U, the results have been a little bit more mixed and, you know, Brandeis and Chicago have won some games and it's just, uh, there's like a, a, a six team pack that really has to get figured out as opposed to being a more clear top four, bottom four. And I know that conference is so uh, difficult and the travel schedule can be difficult when you're on a, a road weekend, it can be really tough to win games. Uh, but when you get into the conference tournament, if you don't have the luxury of playing at home, you're going to have to be on the road and you're going to have to win some of those tough games. So like a Wash U, if they were to play at Trine or versus Calvin or, um, 
you know, flying out to play Cal Lou, they're going to have to play those types of games. They're going to have to win those. And I think teams like, uh, like Emory, like Wash U, in my mind, have had some trouble winning some of those road games as well on in the UAA play. And, it, and it's tough, and I get it. But for me, you know, just this week, just outside. Now, Matt, another team I want to talk about a little bit here that they've come up a, a couple of times on this here D3 Hoops YouTube show in a couple of different ways, just mentioning them being a team that's been off off the radar to some uh, in some respects, and that's St. John's. Uh, I know they've been in, in your poll. This is not you know a debut for them in here, but St. John's is a team, looking back at last week's full poll, they, they only totaled 13 poll points, um, and in their position here where you have them, this will be nine, nine points from you alone. Uh, so I, already on some ballots I've seen come out, St. John's is uh, in there, so maybe they're gaining a little bit, bit of momentum. Um, but, you know, it's just not a team we've talked a whole lot about. It seems like every time we talk about them, it's in the context of trying to like bring them on the radar a little bit more than they have been. So, uh, I just thought it'd be a good team to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about St. John's cause you've been on them a little bit more, uh, consistently and earlier than a lot of other people have. Yeah. I think it's a little bit tougher St. John's. They're still playing that deep Mayak schedule. So they only had a few opportunities earlier in the season to go outside of conference and get some of those cross regional games. Um, and once I think that conference can be a little bit insular once, once you, they get into conference play. So I think they've been mostly taking care of business. They've been playing pretty well in Mayak play and they look very strong. Um, haven't piled up too many losses. And now we're getting at the, at the point where I think they're definitely in that mix of teams. Like I don't, I don't know for sure that St. John's is, you know, a ton better than Emory or Wash U, even though they're in my poll at 17, which is fairly high, and those other teams are out. But they're in that big mix of, of teams that I think are, are relatively even. And since they're taking care of business, they're beating other, you know, fairly strong, um, you know, that's a fairly strong league there in Minnesota, and they're, they're winning a bunch of games. So I think that gives me um, some interest, some confidence in St. John's. The computers like them as well, and I definitely look at the computers, and, and they inform my decision. Um, but I, I think I think maybe nationally it's a little bit harder to get a, a, a read on a team like St. John's just because it's been so long and so few opportunities for them to play other conferences in, in cross-regional games. And then one more conference, it feels like week to week, we just have to talk about in terms of how it's shaping up or shaking out. And that's the American Rivers this week. And your poll, you have Co Central, and Loris in, which of the contenders leaves Nebraska Wesleyan and Dubuque out. Um I feel like this is a situation where you know all five of those are good. You can't probably rank all five. It's almost like, you know, yeah. spin a wheel each week and, and see which ones you're going to take. Yeah, so this week I, I ranked all the way out to 40, who I thought were my top 40 teams. And all five of those American Rivers teams are definitely in the top 40. Uh, it's just sort of like, again, that rotation of teams in and out, who I think is playing pretty well right now. Uh, Central for me, you know, I mentioned – Hampton Sydney, I took a little bit more of a season long approach on them to keep them number one. Central for me, it's more about how they've been playing these last handful of weeks in the American Rivers Conference. Um, they're like only a half game behind Co for that that conference uh, lead right now. They're playing great. I feel like Central's really dangerous right now. And part of me pushing them up to twenty four is I think how they're playing right now. Um, I think Co to to me Co is still the class of that league, but it's so even. Like it could go any different direction. Um, I really debated about Loris like are they in versus out um if I'm if I'm even getting this straight off the top of my head I know I was looking at this when I was doing my ballot but Loris has beaten um 
Nebraska Wesleyan twice, or did I have that one backwards? It's, it's so hard in the American Rivers because it feels like everyone has beaten someone who's beaten someone else. Uh, maybe Dubuque's the only one that has the short end of that strip, that stick kind of among the other top four contenders. I feel like maybe they've lost a little bit more than the others have, uh, but it's just so difficult. All these teams are so even. So whoever's just in my poll, then the others are just outside the poll. I feel like I want everyone, like that whole those whole top five between 20 and like 30 or 35 or something like that. All right, Matt, we got to reorient our brain from top 25 ranking discussion to regional ranking discussion, right? I think it's always important what we talked about here with the top 25, what we're going to get into here with regional rankings. The two have nothing to do with each other. Yeah. Uh, top 25 is fun. Regional ranking per, uh, you know, s- serves its own purpose, has its own set of criteria. Um, so just got to switch our brain here, Matt, as we move on. Because we do get our first set of regional rankings this week. They will be not a ranked list, but a, an alphabetical list. Uh, so for each of the regions, seven teams will be ranked, except for in Region 2, where six teams get ranked. So there will be you know, the number of ranked teams. They just won't be presented in any sort of order. So this week, we're going to go through, give you a little preview of what to expect. And Matt, we're going to do something extra special. We're going to start with Region 10 and work backwards instead of starting with region one and working towards 10. Yeah. Region 10 so often gets the short end of the stick. We wanted to feature them here first, go 10 down to one, uh, and, and feature region 10 first. Um, yes, as you said, we'll get alphabetical rankings this week. The, the, the way I will show them is a, a fairly loose order, especially toward the top where I did not spend nearly any time at all trying to suss out the, the order of the top teams. I was really worried uh, or really focusing on, you know, what are my last kind of two teams in and who are the kind of two teams out and trying to make those conversations correct. Uh, if anyone watched the QCast this past week, they had a great episode of In the Room with three former committee members, um, and they went through the mock ranking of Region 7, and they did a similar thing where they, there was like four or five teams in Region 7 they kind of knew were going to be ranked, so they kind of put them in and then spent more of their time at the end. That's kind of what I did too. Um, I'm not showing them alphabetically. I'm kind of showing them in order just because that's going to be how you have to do the process anyway. Uh, but if, you look, if you're looking at the screen and you really want to say like, oh, that team's second and they should be third and the third should be up, like, okay, fine. Like, I didn't, I didn't care about that right now. So anyway, let's go through. We're going to start at Region 10. Um, I think here from Trinity down through Hardin-Simmons, who's about fifth in this region, I think those are all very solid resumes and they will fairly easily make this week's alphabetical ranking. Just kind of looking at winning percentage and strength of schedule. We don't need to dive any further to, I don't, I don't think, figure anything out, right? Head-to-head and common opponents. Uh, of course, this week, we don't have results versus regionally ranked opponents because we don't have any previous regional rankings. So that won't come into place. So there's really four primary criteria. So I just kind of considered through Hardin-Simmons to be safe for this week. So then uh, kind of taking next, taking a look at Claremont Mud Scripps, and you can see that their strength of schedule dips a little bit. 509 uh, in certain regions can get a little bit low. Um, so maybe that's like maybe where your first discussion point is, but then kind of for me looking at the next list of viable candidates, I was comfortable kind of taking Claremont Mud Scripps with the 750 winning percentage because we weren't getting a, ho- a whole ton of other high strength of schedules with very high winning percentages as well. So um, very comfortable with with the stags there. Uh, so really for me, it came down to kind of Whitworth, Whitman, and Texas Dallas. 
Uh, I think I eliminated George Fox, who I, I thought was maybe the 10th team in this region from, from the discussion based on uh, basically a lower winning percentage number uh, and a strength of schedule. Like, like if you look at Whitworth versus George Fox, uh, you're just kind of taking Whitworth, um, I think, based on those numbers. Um, so, so this is where I kind of was looking at maybe some more head-to-heads and some common opponent type results. Uh, Whitworth, of course, has beaten Whitman twice. So even though there's a, a winning percentage ad- advantage for Whitman here, 714, um, I think I think Whitworth is going to stack up above Whitman just based on those two um, that those two head-to-head games that Whitworth won both of them. So now so now I'm looking at Whitworth versus Texas Dallas, and to me this is this is very this is actually very close. Um, a 650 for Whitworth winning percentage, 667 for Texas Dallas. Uh, and then that advantage is flipped when it comes to strength of schedule, 530 for Whitworth and 513 uh, for Texas Dallas. So I, I really don't know which direction that the committee is going to take this. To me, I would favor the the higher strength of schedule just a little bit in this case because they're, they're very uh, similar margins. So I think Whitworth gets a narrow edge. Uh, but what we don't always know is if they would look at something like non-conference strength of schedule, which is a secondary criterion, um, and Texas-Dallas might have a little advantage there. These two teams really don't have um, head-to-head and, and common opponents. So so really comparing Whitworth versus Texas-Dallas, uh, I think there's there's not a whole lot to choose there. So for me, I went with Whitworth just in, and then Whitworth and, sorry, and then Whitman and Texas-Dallas just out. So I think that those top seven are the ones we will see ranked in Region 10 come Tuesday. Yeah, I think that's well said with, when you get down to the Claremont Mud Scripps line, you look at their their resume, it doesn't stack up in terms of winning percentage and strength of schedule with the, the five teams ahead. But then you look at that next group of teams, and I feel like it does stand out enough to make to make them an easy number six. And then agree. I mean, when you go to the Whitworth, Texas, Dallas, you're talking about a 17 point difference on the winning percentage and strength of schedule. So I think that that difference is is more meaningful uh, in strength of schedule. And that being where Whitworth has the advantage. I definitely agree with with Whitworth slotting in there. And obviously the the sweep of Whitman is huge. Yeah, that'll be massive. Yep. Uh, so I think we'll move on to region nine now, unless there's anything else for region 10 for you, Zachary. No. Okay. I think I think that's good. That's a that's a fairly straightforward region, just yeah. with some interesting decisions. But I I feel like they're decisions we can be comfortable making, as opposed to saying I don't know. Which I think we'll get to a couple of those situations later yeah. on. Right. We will. We will. Um, and then as we move into Region Nine, I will also say that the way that the actual national or NCAA does these regional rankings is with regional advisory committees and then a national committee. Uh, and so they all spend a long time in each reason, region. I was trying to work through these on Sunday afternoon myself. So like one person for two hours is not going to do as good of a job as all the regional committees. So I'll, I'll probably miss some. Um, and then you can all hit me in the comments and tell me how dumb I was. But just let, letting you know, I'm, I'm one person and their whole committees. So they'll, they'll probably make better decisions than me. Uh, so looking at Region 9, I always find Region 9 very interesting right now because I feel like the resumes are all, like at first glance, just all the same. You get kind of a bunch of winning percentages in like the 850s range or so, and then a bunch of strength of schedules that are kind of all fairly comfortably in the 500s. So we don't like we don't have 
um, a lot of crazy high winning percentage or crazy low winning percentages with mixed strength of schedule. So kind of very, very interesting here how even it is. Um, obviously, I think we're seeing the American Rivers dominate the middle section of, of these, these regional rankings. And, and we just had a big conversation about the American Rivers Conference, how good it is. And that's kind of why. Um, maybe following a similar pattern as Region 10, I kind of looked down through Dubuque and just looked at winning percentages and strength of schedules and said, okay, okay, these teams are all fairly comfortable. And, and then looking at some of the head-to-heads that might be in play between teams kind of in this top seven range. And I felt I felt pretty comfortable with those teams being in. Um, like maybe Loris of those groups has uh, a little bit of the weaker strength of schedule at only 515, but then you go kind of toward the bottom of the region and compare them to St. John's. And it's very in line strength of schedule, but a winning percentage that's higher. So I don't think that Loris is really in contention for falling out of the region. So I, I think that that's all safe. Uh, so then I really wanted to have the, the conversation of, you know, Central versus St. John's versus Bethany Lutheran versus Illinois College, maybe. I think I kind of just eliminated UW-Whitewater because if you look at their winning percentage and their strength of schedule, like they're just not competitive with the rest of the region, those kind of top nine, eight or nine teams. So I think like UW-Whitewater might just be out. And so we're talking about those middle four teams, Central, St. John's, Bethany Lutheran, and Illinois College for the final two spots. Um. And then for me, I just kind of try to look at maybe more comparable resumes. So if I'm looking at Bethany Lutheran and Illinois College, um, and you look at the strength of schedule differences and the winning percentage differences, like for me, I'm just going to prefer Bethany Lutheran of those of those two. So I think Illinois College is just going to have a difficult time getting above Bethany Lutheran. And that's even like if we consider looking at the secondary criteria, non-conference strength of schedule at all. So so for that, that may be like eliminates um, Illinois College to some degree because I don't think they're going to be able to get above Bethany Lutheran. Um, so it's so it's kind of kind of interesting dis- discussion here because now we do get in maybe some some disparate uh, resumes. Like Central's is the most different from everyone else. They have a lower winning percentage, but definitely the highest strength of schedule. Kind of still among these teams in in consideration, a seven fourteen winning percentage and a five fifty seven strength of schedule. Um, so you have to kind of compare that to St. John's, which it's it's almost a, a hundred points of winning percentage that's that's different, but like basically forty points of strength of schedule. So these are the discussions that are always difficult for us to do, not knowing exactly how the committees are going to weigh these types of things. Um, just maybe looking at Central over like against Bethany Lutheran. Um, Central has one common opponent maybe advantage. Central has beaten Simpson, and Bethany Lutheran has lost to Simpson. That's like maybe one common opponent out of the whole thing. That's not a whole lot. But when we're talking about like, I don't know how to compare all of these different resumes, maybe that ends up being a big deal. I'm not, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. So uh, you could use that to maybe put Central above Bethany Lutheran. And then the final conversation becomes St. John's versus Bethany Lutheran. Um, this one was very difficult for me. I ended up saying, like, perhaps the committee looks at the non-conference strength of schedule and then sees that St. John's had, like, a massive, like, they took every opportunity in the non-conference to build their resume, 654 non-conference strength of schedule. And maybe that ends up being some sort of a tiebreaker between these two teams. So I ended up taking Central and St. John's. I was not super confident at the end of this region. Um, I, I, I wouldn't be super shocked to see Bethany Lutheran in there somewhere. And that could come at the expense of either of those others. It could come at the expense of Central or it could come at the expense of St. John's. I think this is, these are very challenging when we have 
I, I think three fairly different resumes and we don't have things like results versus regionally ranked opponents yet. Um, so you're going to have to kind of maybe break ties in whatever way possible. Well, and Bethany Lutheran having a head-to-head -head win over Central makes things even more interesting. Oh, yeah. I maybe didn't even consider that properly when I was doing this. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so this is a region I think there is a, a decision to make kind of a, just above and below that cut line. Uh, but really, Matt, the thing that jumps out to me is I'm glad that they don't have to actually put out a, or we don't have to worry about a ranked list for for these ARC teams because, as you said, they have so similar of resumes. They There's just a bunch of wins kind of all between them, and they sometimes contradict each other in terms of who swept who. And and I don't, I don't know how at this point you would even try to uh, parse out the different uh, the five different teams and try to rank them. Um, so I'm glad we get another week of information before we have to actually worry about where they would be ranked. Yeah, and, and with four weeks overall of regional rankings, we're going to have a lot of time or some time to maybe mix these up a little bit. Um, I'm just going to look through again because I think you're right. I, I put down that win for Bethany Lutheran over Central, and then I was yeah. diving it, into further criteria. So I think I probably would put Bethany January Lutheran back yes. up there. January um, 2nd. I, I would probably put Bethany Lutheran back up there. Now the conversation is Central versus St. John's. And then, you know, that's a close one. And, and who knows? So maybe Central's the one. Maybe Central's the one that's out. So, yeah, I, I, probably, I, I probably got myself too, too tangled up in that conversation and, and forgot the obvious one there. So that's Region 9. Region 9 is going to be, be difficult. But, yeah, I think, I think I'm wrong. I think I'd put Bethany Lutheran above the line. Okay, looking ahead to Region 8. Region 8 is a very different kind of resumes. The, these strength of schedules are not what we're used to seeing from this region. I think this region is very weak overall this year, so it'll be, it'll be super interesting. Uh, you know, chance this region doesn't... I mean, maybe some chance they don't get any pool seeds. I think they probably do get one. Um, but yeah, just, just not a good, a good region overall right now i don't think there are very many teams that would be safe in other regions ranked right here but just considering what we're looking at on the screen probably wash U, elmhurst and illinois wesleyan are indeed safe in this region uh, interesting that i say that about elmhurst with just a 492 strength of schedule uh, but that that's going to be a very competitive number based on what we're seeing uh, elsewhere in the region um, I'm going to consider also Anderson and St. Norbert fairly safe and also Wisconsin Lutheran, maybe. Um, St. Norbert has beaten Wisconsin Lutheran head to head. So I think that keeps St. Norbert above them. And then if you compare teams like Anderson uh, to St. Norbert, uh, very similar winning percentages. Anderson with a little bit of a bigger uh, strength of schedule there. So maybe Anderson is the mix. I think more interesting is, is at the bottom, maybe the last team in this region. I was kind of looking at Chicago, uh, Transylvania, and Carthage. Uh, I think I just ruled out Hanover. I don't think Hanover's numbers are very competitive here. Um, this is maybe an interesting conversation at the end. Uh, Chicago's SOS is still not super great, 536, but it does stand out as the most uh, positive out of the, of the whole rest of the group. Um, 650 winning percentage is is also not great. That's kind of below where you'd like to see for any sort of pool C consideration, especially with only a, maybe a middling strength of schedule. Um, but but Transylvania, for instance, their strength of schedule is quite poor. Their non-conference strength of schedule doesn't help them out at all if, you're, if we're looking um, at that kind of conversation. Um, so for, for me, I kind of just went with, 
you know, I think I think the committee is not going to like to look at a 461 strength of schedule if they can help it. And Transylvania didn't really have any head to heads that would help them. So so absent, you know, with a really weak schedule, I think we've seen committees at least the past couple of years, maybe opt toward more of a Chicago resume, even though that winning percentage is lower than maybe we would want to see it nationally. But the 530 strength of schedule is more in line, I think, with what the committee likes to see as far as who you're playing against. Um, and Chicago's maybe won enough of those games right now uh, to be in the in the rankings. Yeah, you go down the list, the winning percentages get worse, but the strength of schedules don't get any better. And then that's where Chicago jumps out because of the one that does have like, uh, like you said, a, a, you know, even a 536, which is not like super great, stands out in this list where you're seeing a lot of just you know, 400 winning or strength of schedule numbers that are just not even close to being at 500. Yeah. And it's odd to look at maybe like the St. Norbert resume, 818 winning percentage, 462 uh, strength of schedule. I think that's going to be safely ranked in this, in this region this week. And that we're not going to see that in very many regions. I think where that resume gets safely ranked. Um, it's just, just kind of the nature of this region right now. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't think we're going to get a lot of, a lot of pool C consideration here. Well, and you look at, okay, so what are the other options besides Chicago, right? You look at the 800 winning percentage for Transylvania. It's only a 461 yeah. strength of schedule. So that's the St. Norbert resume, but worse. Right. And then you get into like the Carthage handovers and they're basically the Chicago resume, but with but, worse strength of worse. schedules. Yeah. So it's almost like you have to arrive at Chicago by default. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's maybe a Chicago versus Transylvania discussion. Uh, there's a 150-point winning percentage gap there that Transylvania has in their favor. Um, but it's, uh, what, like 75-point well, strength of schedule gap. So Yeah, that's a that's a gulf. We, we see that, that this strength of schedule gap kind of overcome that type of winning percentage gap. But I think that's a conversation. And, you know, if Chicago was out and Transylvania was in, like, that wouldn't completely floor me, although I think we've seen the last couple of committees maybe opt for this Chicago-type resume. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> All right, rolling on up to Region 7. This is the one we saw in the room folks do, and I think we have an interesting comparison, Zach, that you were pointing out to me earlier today uh, that I'll let you make in just a moment here. Uh, yeah. But um, I think, I think I'm think i going to do what the in-the-room folks do did and say John Carroll through Mount Union uh, these resumes, given what we see kind of a little bit further on, are just going to be completely safe. Uh, probably the order is correct, even though we won't see the order this year. But John Carroll, Trine, Case Western Reserve, Calvin, Mount Union, all going to be very safe to be ranked in Region 7 this week. Um, the next one up is Hope. Um, I think that they will be safely ranked this week. They have a very good strength of schedule, very competitive strength of schedule, and their winning percentage is high enough. That's kind of an even across the board resume that um, the committees tend to like to see. So then me, the discussion, for me, the discussion was St. Vincent versus Geneva versus Marietta. Um, maybe important to note that St. Vincent and Geneva split their season series. So there's no head-to-head advantage there. Uh, maybe a slight Geneva common opponent edge. They, I think there was like two games that they had won that maybe St. Vincent had lost. Uh, but then St. Vincent also has a non-conference strength of schedule advantage um, if they look at the secondary criteria. And then also I think just maybe the fact that 515 um, just ends up looking a lot better than 479 when it comes to kind of a, a, a bit, a little bit of a margin over 500 versus a bit of a margin under 500. 
Um, I think that that makes a big difference there. So uh, for me, even though Marietta has the best strength of schedule there and 667 is pretty okay. For me, I took the 833, 515. I think that looks reasonable across the board. Um, I took St. Vincent over Marietta at the end of the day. And uh, that's what I went with. Which brings up the interesting note here, Matt. As you mentioned before, this was the region we saw work through in the QCAST episode in the room with our former national committee members. And at that time, as they were going through region seven, now we should note, so this is with updated, um, uh, updated through games played on Sunday, mm -hmm. February 4th in the room was done a couple days ago. So we didn't have the weekend play through Thursday. Yep. All right. So that was just through games of Thursday, right? So. This is not an apples to apples comparison about what we think versus what happened then right. because it's a, it's a new data set. But what was interesting to note here is that during that QCAST episode, as they were getting down to these final spots uh, and St. Vincent came up, St. Vincent's uh, strength of schedule was much lower through Thursday's games. And so they were immediately thrown out because they had that outlier low strength of schedule. And I would add, I completely agree correctly that that was the decision at that time. But after the play this weekend, suddenly St. Vincent's strength of schedule jumps up to 515, which looks much more competitive than, uh, I don't remember exactly what the number was. Um, 492 or something four, like that. Four, yeah, 492, 495, whatever it was. It was definitely in the fours. But Matt, so we talk a lot about this process and how it plays out. And um, you know, we try to explain it, and that's not always the same as agreeing with it or... Um, advocating for it right, right? Yeah. you can go back everyone can go back to episode 42 we did uh, we called it fixing the primary criteria we, we set out some suggestions for how we would fix the process right now i think that in general the process overall leads to a, a, a reasonable result you know overall but sometimes you get these little snippets that show you on a a, a really micro level some of the weird things that can happen, right? So we, and the St. Vincent case is one of them. So take that QCAST episode. St. Vincent was thrown out because they had a low strength of schedule. Now we're looking at games played through the weekend. And all that has changed with St. Vincent in terms of games played is they lost at Geneva. Right? So their resume gets a, a big strength of schedule boost because as we see, Geneva's won a lot of games, but their winning percentage takes a little bit of a hit because they lost the game, right? So in uh, in losing the game, because it was against a really good opponent, they get the strength of schedule boost. Suddenly, as we're going through this, they look viable, whereas previous to that game being played, the resume didn't look viable. So you see these little idiosyncrasies which sometimes you can win a game that somehow makes your resume look worse and you can lose a game that somehow makes your resume look better now i don't think this is going to be a big problem uh this just happens to be that saint vincent played a really high winning percentage team at the right time and they're we're seeing the boost in sos come through right now but you know over the course of the next few weeks it's expected that their strength of schedule will go back down but it's just it's this is a, a case where we can see very much how um, you know losing the right game or or winning uh, a game that's against a really low opponent can hurt you, and uh, I don't know it's just yeah. kind of wild to think that 
all St. Vincent did between then when they got thrown out because of the low strength of schedule is lose a game at Geneva, and now suddenly they look more viable than they did a couple days ago. Yeah, just the across-the-board resume looks like, oh, it's not really an outlier anymore too much. Um, now, right. also, in fairness, right, um, Marietta also lost the game, so their resume looks different. If Marietta had won their overtime game this weekend, maybe we still find a way to take Marietta over St. Vincent. But I don't think it's as much of a slam dunk as, as it seemed. Well, I mean, there was a conversation. It was never a slam dunk. But you're right, that outlier SOS being below 500, I think, does make a big difference uh, rather than 515. And even though the winning percentage took a hit, um, I think overall St. Vincent does look like they have a more positive resume after the Geneva loss than it did before, which is, you know, kind of a, a weird, weird portion of the, the way that things work out. But I think looking forward, Matt, if St. Vincent was going to get ranked, it needed to be in this set because yeah. I think they have some more problematic um, yeah. things coming down the line just in terms of that strength of schedule with, with the, the, you know, they're not playing Geneva every week, every weekend, right? So that's going to tick back down as we start to add in results versus regionally ranked opponents. Neither they nor Gen Geneva have anything that's going to add to their resume there. Um, so this is sort of like the, the ceiling for their regional ranking ability. So we'll see what happens from here. But it looks like they're viable for getting into this first um, this first alphabetical set. Yeah, at least at least now. And I don't think it's a, a given that they'll fall out. Like it seemed like Marietta's got to win some more games to to try to fight for that seventh spot. They have the well, opportunity and, to beat a John Carroll or a Mount Union coming ahead. St. Vincent doesn't really have those types of games remaining on their schedule. They also have like a win versus Illinois Wesleyan that's going to show up as a ranked win. Um, kind of in their back, back pocket already, games like that will, will maybe favor Marietta a little bit more than St. Vincent has the opportunity. Correct. And, and Christopher Newport, as it pertains yeah, to Marietta. Right. Uh, and then this is also the time we need to mention Carnegie Mellon is looming out there as another one of those UAA mm -hmm. potentially, if they can win enough, enough games, high SOS teams. You know, they've got some wins that will be regionally ranked opponents to their credit coming on board. Um, so there's there's definitely some some changes to the picture here coming in the bottom probably spot or two here in region seven i think we've got a pretty set um top five and i think at least they for the time being they they slot in pretty nicely and pretty uh without you know much discussion um but yeah this is this is another one that's really gonna uh, be interesting to watch as we head into week two and we start to get that regionally ranked opponent information in because that could have that alone could have a significant impact on the bottom of this rank, uh, the ranking in week two. All right, moving ahead to region six. Uh, for me, this was the most difficult region uh, once we got toward the bottom. Uh, so I did this, uh, you see the head-to-head, -head, you've been seeing the head-to-head -head results uh, all along. Uh, that's kind of what teams have done versus what I kind of ended up thinking were the top seven uh, teams or teams kind of right in the neighborhood. I, I handled this region a little bit differently. I just took... Uh, Hampt Hampton, Sydney, Randolph, Macon, Guilford, Virginia, Wesleyan, and Christopher Newport. Uh, I think by their winning percentage and strength of schedules, those teams are all going to be fairly safe. And I just kind of compared them against each other just for kind of fun uh, to show what they've done head to head up there. Um, and then I kind of re-looked at everything from like Mary Washington on down and kind of looked at head to head. So, so Mary Washington, Maryville, Tennessee, Roanoke. Bridgewater, Washington and Lee, Emory, and Shenandoah. I went 12 deep in this region just because I think that there's maybe 12 teams you need to look at in this region. Um, I think what we're kind of left with after I called those top teams, everyone down to Christopher Newport safe, 
is we're kind of left with more or less two different trios, I kind of figured. Um, you have one trio of Emery, who has beaten Mary Washington, who has beaten Maryville. So kind of those teams interact on a head-to-head nature. Uh, and then you have Roanoke, who has beaten Washington and Lee and Bridgewater. And then Bridgewater, who has beaten Washington and Lee as well. Um, and these two trios don't really interact with each other much in terms of those head-to-head or common opponents. So it's really hard to compare. Like, what do you do with Emery's 600 winning percentage, but 595 strength of schedule compared to Maryville's 773 winning percentage and 509 strength of schedule? Uh, especially when they haven't really played uh, um, you know, if they haven't really directly played too many similar teams. Well, I guess those to have. Emory beat Mary Wash and Maryville lost to Mary Wash. So maybe those do. But then you throw Roanoke in the mix, who's maybe the Emory resume, but better. Roanoke has a 619 winning percentage and a 609 strength of schedule. But they haven't really played anyone um, with different results than like Mary Washington has. Like, okay, they both beat Bridgewater, but like that doesn't really tell us much. Um, so for me, it was very difficult and I don't think I ended up really drawing the line exactly where I thought it would be. It was just going to be more of a discussion. Um, I think if we, let's just take a step back for a second and look at kind of some of these teams, winning percentages and strength of schedules. I, I called Mary Washington good because the, I think the 590 strength of schedule is a, about as good as we see out there. Um, and then when you pair that with the 650 winning percentage, which is also, you know, about as good as we see kind of of teams below the line. Then I said, okay, maybe Mary Washington ends, ends up getting there. Um, then after that, for me, um, you know, do you take Maryville who has a more moderate resume resume, like the highest winning percentage, the only one like in the mid to upper seven hundreds. Um, and then like an okay, but not great kind of lowest strength of schedule five Oh nine. Do you take that moderate resume or do you take the Roanoke resume, which is, the astronomical 609 SOS um, and a 619 winning percentage, which is kind of on the lower end, um, right? I think both of those numbers keep them keep Roanoke above Emory, but like it's they're, they're it's not super great resumes. I really don't know what the committee is going to do here. Um, I think you could go in a bunch of different directions. Then you also consider right, like we said, the head-to-heads. Roanoke has beat Washington and Lee and Bridgewater. Bridgewater beat Washington and Lee. So then like Washington and Lee's 667 winning percentage maybe doesn't play up above Roanoke at all. Uh, Very complicated region. I don't think there's an easy answer. I just kind of ended up throwing up my hands and saying, I'm not quite sure. Uh, There's a lot of different directions I could see. I could, I could even see with the head to head win over Mary Washington, I could see maybe Emory getting into the rankings, even though I kind of think that they'll be out. So I don't, I don't exactly know what to make of region six right now. Yeah. Uh, you hit on a lot of points there. I mean, you, you said you can see Emory going in, but you just look at the winning percentage and the strength of schedule and Emory just looks like a worse Roanoke in that regard. So it's then how do they get above Roanoke? The other thing that jumps out to me is you just look over at that right column in terms of the, some of the season head to head, like Washington and Lee and Bridgewater show up an awful lot. So that makes me ding the chances that Washington and Lee or Bridgewater would be able to get into that mix just by how often they're showing up as having head-to-head losses of all, you know, in the mix of of this group of teams. But you're right; you kind of work yourself in around in a in a circle. It's like, what do you want to take? And if you're showing preference for the strength of schedule with Mary Washington, then if you it kind of feels like you need to discount Maryville because the strength yeah. of schedule is their problem. But 
yeah, you. So maybe it could be Roanoke, but Roanoke's got an even lower winning percentage than Mary Washington. So maybe there's a a, a little bit of a threading of a needle where Maryville just kind of is is just right, and they yeah. they 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 can slot right between Mary Washington and Roanoke because they've they've won enough games where they maybe couldn't make up. Uh, the strength of schedule difference with their winning percentage over Mary Washington, but maybe you say that they can with Roanoke. Yeah, and and that's where I end up. I think it's going to be between Maryville and Roanoke. I think it's one of those two teams uh, for a lot of those reasons you just said. You know, to some to some degree, I think I think the committees have liked the strength of schedule that Roanoke would put out there. Six oh nine. That's a really good strength of schedule. That's one of the best numbers um, that you'll see for teams that are kind of kind of in that below the line type of a range. But then again, a winning percentage is like 620. That's that's not very good. And we're going to get you'd get a lot of coaches that would complain about like at what point do you need to actually win some of these games? Uh Roanoke. And and yeah, they they've won some games but only 62%. You have a team like Maryville that their strength of schedule is above 500 and they've won, you know, 77% of their games. Uh so that's the interesting conversation. I think this like I'll be just very fascinated. And, and we'll only see alphabetical, but we'll know, like, is Maryville in or is Roanoke in? And I think it's probably not both, right? Um, because I think Mary Washington, especially with the head-to-head, is above Maryville. So right. um, I think it's probably not both. I think it's one or the other. There's probably scenarios in which it's neither. Um, it'll just be fascinating to see how exactly it ends up. Uh, and, and I'm sure, I'm, I'm certain that this is a region where I at least got something wrong. Well, we we talk a lot about at the the back of this region here for good good reason because it's such a cloudy picture as to who gets in and who gets left out. But Matt, I want to go back to the top there with Hampton, Sydney, and Randolph Macon. We've talked about them a few different times already in this episode. But you look at those winning percentage and those strength of schedules, and those are like slam dunk host second weekend type yeah. resumes that both of them are putting up. Yeah, I my my kind of fake formula puts them as the top two seeds. Like I put them atop my ballot. They're the top two seeds overall in the tournament, and we know that those two things are not always necessarily the same. So um, they have solid, rock-solid NCAA resumes, and I think they have rock-solid performances so far, yeah. All right, let's get on to Region 5. Okay, Region 5. Hopefully Region 5 is a little bit more straightforward. So uh, for me, I thought that my top six were just going to be definitely in. Um, that, that's Widener, that's Catholic, that's Hood kind of up at the top. Then Johns Hopkins and Gettysburg, I feel very good about. Um, and then just kind of looking at the rest of the resumes, Franklin and Marshall, I felt fairly good about. I think that they're going to be pretty safe in there with an 8-10 winning percentage and a 500 strength of schedule. Uh, so then for me, my conversation came down to one spot, and I was um, looking at particularly uh, Eastern and Wilkes. Um, I think Alvernia was in the mix as well, but they've lost both to Eastern and Wilkes. Um, and I think that kind of knocks Alvernia out if they've beaten neither of those teams. And both those teams have wins over them. So I said, Alvernia, you're out. It's Eastern and Wilkes. Um, there's no head-to-head there. And both of them, their only common game was that 1-0 and versus Alvernia. So that's difficult, too. Um, in this case, I took the 592, which is a very strong strength of schedule. I took that advantage for Eastern, with this, even with the 650 winning percentage over the 762 winning percentage of Wilkes and the 511 strength of schedule. I also took a peek over at that non-conference strength of schedule and saw that there was a pretty big advantage for Eastern there. If they do decide to go to the second page, the secondary criteria, which I know they don't like to do a lot, but that is also sitting out there for Eastern. Uh, I don't feel 100% about this, but that's kind of where I ended up where I was with Eastern ranked 
and Wilkes maybe not ranked right now. Yeah, definitely a little bit more straightforward than what we saw in Region 6. That is probably going to be the, the murkiest picture we, we take a look at. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's really a lot, a lot to talk about here, Matt. Uh, I, I think it kind of works itself out and makes sense the way you have it here. Yeah, and I'm just kind of glad I wasn't focused on the, the ordering at all to like to figure out the right. um, Johns Hopkins has lost to Gettysburg, who's lost to Franklin and Marshall, who's beaten Johns Hopkins type of a thing. I just I just let that all be and said I'm not worrying about the order there. And just it's like a mini done. ARC situation yeah. in the Centennial. Area. Yeah, yep. and and maybe when you everyone's beaten everyone, it makes it easier because you just say like we're not worrying about the head to head anymore. We're just going to look at the other numbers. So I I don't know how that is, but but to me Region Five was a little more straightforward. So I was thankful for that after Region Six. Okay, we are looking at Region 4 now. Um, I think for Region 4, I was very comfortable with NYU, with Rowan, with DeSales, with Stevens. And then I was a very, a little bit questionable at Penn State Harrisburg's 490 strength of schedule. Um, I think maybe we need to look at that a little bit more, but I ended up taking them with the 864 winning percentage. Um, just comparing them to maybe some teams lower on that are just below my cut line, like Stockton, a 636 strength of schedule. That's over 200 points of winning percentage. Um, I, th I think that there's going to be maybe some way to find out that Penn State Harrisburg is ranked here. I'm not a thousand percent confident about that, but let's let's call it for now that they're safe. Although I, I do recognize that they're the SOS outlier, so maybe they do find their way out. Um, so my conversations, my internal conversations on this one kind of focused around uh, maybe the bottom three, Stockton, Ramapo, um, TCNJ. I think I kind of ended up ruling out Montclair State as kind of more of a worse version of Ramapo and TCNJ. So I don't think Montclair State ended up being super competitive there. Um, so kind of what I looked at, common opponents between these two, these teams are all even. They're all NJAC teams. Um, and TCNJ, Ramapo, and Stockton are all fairly close-ish in the NJAC standings, so you can kind of see that their their common opponents don't tell us too much there. Uh, everyone's beaten Rowan once, for example. Um, I think I, I ended up going with um, with TCNJ. I think that the 727 winning percentage I think puts them um, just above that. That's a, a kind of a, a quote unquote good number, um, whereas Ramapo and Stockton have maybe quote unquote questionable uh, winning percentages. Um, and I think Ramapo and Stockton split their series. So it gets it gets a little bit complicated, maybe. I ended up going with maybe the more even resume of, of Ramapo than maybe the more um, outliery resume of Stockton, just because I think, I think when there's questions, maybe the committees like to take something that's a little bit more even like this. Um, so that's what I did. I, I wouldn't be completely shocked to see Stockton ranked, but I think I think I think Ramapo is maybe in at the end of the day. Well, let me say this: if Stockton's ranked, maybe it's at the expense of Harrisburg. Yeah, right. Possible. I think I think TCNJ and Ramapo make a lot of sense. But and if I'm looking for something weird to happen, I would say it would be Penn State Harrisburg not getting in. Um, although you talk about the winning percentage and for Stockton to get in, like that, that's you know an even bigger a bigger difference than if we're looking at just T TCNJ or Ramapo. Um, and I agree. Montclair just looks like, you know, the worst version of Ramapo. So I think that they're probably out and, and Stockton has a bigger SOS advantage over Montclair that I think that the, you can explain away the winning percentage difference there. So really I, 
what it comes down to me, I, I think that the wild card is Stockton versus Penn State Harrisburg yeah. more than even um, comparing Stockton to the other NJAC teams there. Yeah, I think that's very possible. Um, again, it's just hard to tell, like as a 200 and whatever it is, 30 point winning percentage gap, can that be overcome by 85 points of strength of schedule or, or, or thereabouts? You know, that's those are tough conversations, especially without a direct formula that compares the two. You, the committees kind of have to feel it out and say, does this overcome? Um, um, you know, Stockton's resume is still outliery enough. It's not like there's a safer option on the board. Um, so we'll have to see. That's going to be a very interesting one. And I think you're, you and might this be is right. A, and this is another one where the, uh, the outlook could change drastically for week two because Stockton has wins over Keene State two over Rowan and you start giving them credit for that Penn state Harrisburg, you know, they have, um, a win over Alvernia who we talked about earlier. Uh, but that's going to be another area where Stockton has an advantage over Penn state Harrisburg. So it'll be just interesting to see, um, what happens. And, and just because we see one thing in week one, doesn't mean we will see the same thing in week two, because once we add those regional ranked opponents in there, uh, that's an area that, that Stockton could, could vault ahead of some others. Right. It'll give a team like Stockton then extra criteria to maybe be above Penn State Harrisburg rather than just Correct. doing the winning percentage versus strength of schedule. Right. Comparison. Right. And it would be a clear advantage for them. Yeah. But also recognizing that we're double counting the strength of schedule to a large degree because the reason your strength of schedule is so high is because you played those regionally ranked opponents, but also credit for winning them. So I, I do get that to some degree. So that is region four. Um, region three is next three is after four before four. Um, so for me, Oswego state at the top, Hobart next. I think those two teams are very safe. Uh, then I list, I list third Farmingdale state who has a very, um, disparate resume, a 652 winning percentage and only a 459 strength of schedule. That's a, a type of a resume that maybe gets left out a lot, but then maybe compare that to Utica down below who I still have above the line as well. Like that's just obviously maybe a better Utica is Farmingdale, I think. Uh, so I think Farmingdale does get ranked. Again, I didn't worry about the order here uh, too much. So maybe Farmingdale is not really that high, but again, we won't find out this week. Um, I think St. Lawrence is in with the 700 and the 555. That's a strong strength of schedule. Um, SUNY New Paltz is probably in 762 winning percentage and a 501 strength of schedule. It's not super high, but it's probably uh, definitely playable with all those other strength of schedules that are below the cut line here. Uh, so then for me, uh, you know, starting to look at Utica versus RPI versus Brockport versus Nazareth, um, I think we can maybe more or less eliminate St. John Fisher, who's the 10th team listed here. Um, I think I think Utica is is probably preferred to Brockport, giving the SOS um, difference there. Uh, Utica and Brockport don't have any really meaningful common opponents to draw on, so I think we're just kind of comparing raw numbers here. Um, I think the question for me was, does RPI get in above Brockport. Um, Brockport is kind of a better version of Nazareth. So I think they stay ahead of Nazareth for sure. Um, but there's no, yeah, like I said, head to head or meaningful common opponent differences there. Both Brockport and RPI lost to Oswego State. So that doesn't mean anything. Brockport is 0-1 versus Hobart and RPI is 1-1 versus Hobart. Um, not a really a big difference there. So I think we're, we're left playing that winning percentage versus strength of schedule game, um, maybe looking at the non-conference strength of schedule. Uh, so I opted in this case 
um, to go with the strength of schedule, but I'm not very I'm not very comfortable with that or very confident with that. Um, I think Brockport's 714 winning percentage maybe gives them the more even resume. Um, but again, I think if if we cannot choose winning or strength of schedules in the 400s, they tend they can sometimes tend not to do that. So it's a similar question we had on the last page with Penn State Harrisburg, right? Uh, what are what are the committees going to go with? And then like, are they going to do this? They want to do this the same between regions. So is that how it's going to end up, right? Well, you talk about Utica, the 463 is really low, but then you look at what we've got off the board here, and those all start with four as well. Now, maybe you start looking at 497 being a lot more uh, playable than 463, but you talk about wanting to see 500s. There, well, there's just no options there. This this region, Matt, a lot of these resumes give me like a the vibe of a less severe, less severe region eight, maybe. Yeah. But but some of the resumes are a little bit more jumbled and and being less severe like there's not the clarity like in region eight you could say no these resumes are very weird for what we usually see in region eight and the strength of schedules are by and large really bad mm -hmm. but you can kind of work through how how they would be be slotted here it's not quite like that you have a few that are you know strength of schedules that'll play and you're left to kind of figure it out um yeah i i I'd like to see another option besides Utica with a 463 SOS, but I don't know what it is. I mean, at some point you have to look at that 850 winning percentage and you, you start comparing it yeah. to, uh, you know, low 700s and maybe maybe that's what they go with. Right. You compare Utica to Brockport, there's like, what, a 34-point SOS gap. That's significant, but 135 or so points of winning percentage. And I think, I think that winning percentage gap does or should maybe um, – bridge that SOS divide there. So especially when you're not, we're talking about an SOS that's still below 400. Um, those will be the interesting questions, see exactly how they'll, they'll fall out. But yeah, for me, I, th I think Utica is kind of above Brockport, but hard, hard to tell for sure. And even though we get, we don't get an ordered ranking, we will get answers to these because we'll see who's in and who's yeah. not out. And that will be very instructive as we go forward for what we can expect on the line. Yeah, and they're going to spend most of their their call time on kind of the last two in and first two out kind of discussions because that's usually you can tell, okay, the top six are kind of in and we know, let's move on. All right, Region 2 is our smallest region. That's why we only have six ranked teams in Region 2. Yeah, um, to me, uh, Keene State, obviously very good. Nationally, they're very competitive. I think Nichols is looking strong as well. They are in. WPI is going to be safely ranked this week. Western New England, uh, again, inoffensive resume, very good, strong across the board there in. Same with Clark, 727, 546, I think is comfortably ranked. Uh, so for me, the question this week in Region 2, really the only question, um, the only decision is, do we take Brandeis or do we take Western Connecticut? Brandeis has the 650 winning percentage and a 567 strength of schedule. Western Connecticut has an 818 winning percentage, but only a 426 strength of schedule. That's a very low strength of schedule. That's one of the, that's lower than we really considered in any other region, I think, below. Um, Brandeis and Western Connecticut did not play head-to-head. -head. Both beat Plymouth State. Uh, both beat Rhode Island College. Brandeis beat Mass Dartmouth, and Western Connecticut lost to Mass Dartmouth. So there's maybe a very slight common opponent difference there that would favor Brandeis. Um also, if we're going to look at non-conference strength of schedule, Western Connecticut's non-conference strength of schedule is only 364. Very, very low. Um, I think I think these strength of schedules are not going to get the benefit of the doubt. 
So in this region, I would rank Brandeis and not rank Western Connecticut. Yeah, it's just wild to think about a 140-point difference in strength of schedule. Yeah, that's massive. Um, and even though it's, what, 170 points of winning percentage, I think I think Brandeis has done um, fairly comparable work against a lot better competition, and Western Connecticut hasn't really played very much. Yeah, it's a big difference in winning percentage, but really, I don't know that I don't think there's all that much discussion here. I think this is what comes out. And then you look below that with Endicott, Coast Guard, Mass Dartmouth, there's nothing there that really presents uh, any other discussion points. Yeah. So I think you're right. It's between Brandeis and Western Connecticut, but I, I would be very surprised if that doesn't come out Brandeis. Yeah. And then again, future weeks, once we get regionally ranked opponents in the mix, a team like Brandeis playing in the UAA usually yep. gets further advantage by being able to compile some of those games. Uh, and if, if Western Connecticut's not able to beat Keene State, then you know, they're not really getting those opportunities in conference elsewise. So um, I think maybe I think we'll maybe see Brandeis solidify their spot in the rankings going down the road. So I think I think in the end, region two for me ended up being pretty straightforward. Um, and then that will transition us to our final region, region one, which was for me, I think one of the most straightforward regions in the entire country. Uh, I think fairly clear Trinity Connecticut ended up taking their first loss of the season kind of this last weekend, uh, but they're looking still very, very strong. Um, Tufts is definitely safe. Winning percentage and strength of schedule are strong for them. St. Joseph, Connecticut, very safe to be ranked. Connecticut College, very safe to be ranked. Um, Albertus Magnus Williams, I called very good. And then we take a little bit of a dip and a dive in the strength of schedule column. And I was looking at Morrisville State and um, Westfield State just to kind of look. But then you look at the, the big winning percentage gap between the two. And I think it's very clear Morrisville State is just in. Uh, Westfield State is out. And then you just look, take another peek. Like, do we want to even look at Amherst? And like 591 winning percentage, I think the answer for me is no, at least not above Morrisville State. So uh, I kind of just ended everything there and said that those top seven, that was the top seven that my fake formula gave. I didn't have to make any flips in this region at all. And I just called it good. I think that's our seven in region one. Yeah, you get to Morrisville State and it's it's the first resume in the list. You really want to see like, okay, well, what are my other options? Then you take a look at the other options and you're like, okay, yeah, yeah that makes sense. It's Morrisville State. Yeah, and if you did want to take a peek at that non-conference strength of schedule, Morrisville State did a lot of work in, not, uh, in, in their schedule there, 635 NCSOS. So if we do go to the secondary criteria, I think I've probably mentioned it more times on this episode than they'll actually use it. Uh, but that would be in Morrisville State's favor as well. There you go. That's what to expect. The Ooh. only difference is we'll see them in alphabetical order. Yes. We'll be, so we won't know the order at all, but we'll be able to kind of loosely say what order they were probably in. Um, unless the committee, unless the you know NCAA has done something weird like change the way we're calculating strength of schedule, um, then I think our numbers are, are pretty accurate here. Uh, so we'll have to see if anything crazy happened. But... Uh, likely not to be the case. And this will be the same way we've been calculating these numbers, which have matched for years and years and years now. So I'm, I'm fairly confident in the numbers that we have uh, versus what the committee members will be seeing. Speaking of that calculation, another opportunity to plug episode 42, fixing the primary yeah. criteria. Yeah. All right, Matt, those are the regional ranking predictions. Let's go on to our weekly game slate predictions. See how we did last week. It started off with Johns Hopkins Gettysburg. Johns Hopkins was two point favorites at Gettysburg. 
but uh, Gettysburg defends home court there with a 68-60 win. We both dropped that one. Uh, Again, we've talked about already here, Matt. St. Vincent was getting 7.5 at Geneva. Geneva did get the win, but it was a it was a closer game than seven and a half. We uh, were on the point side there with St. Vincent, so we get that despite it being a 73-69 loss for St. Vincent. Game on Saturday night uh, at Yeshiva, Farmingdale State was a 76-57 winner at Yeshiva. The computer liked them by eight points. Matt, you had Farmingdale State. You pick up the win there. I was on the Yeshiva side. And a wild late-game situation, again, involving NYU and Emory. NYU was getting 3.5 points from the computer at Emory, and they get a 3-point win, 81-78. Matt, we both pick up a point there. And then in the game of the week, we've talked about that one already, Randolph-Macon and Hampton-Sydney was a straight-up pick'em game. Randolph-Macon gets the 48-46 win. We both liked Hampton-Sydney in that one, so that goes as a loss for us. Uh, kind of a middling week for both of us, Matt. I was two and three to go 39, 25, and one overall on the year. You pick up a game on me going three and two. You are now just one game back of me, 38, 26, and one. You've Let's been on go. a bit of a roll here. You've been picking up some picking up some games, picking up some uh I've got the hot hand. You do. All <laughs> right. This week's slate. Here it is, week 13. Uh, we have DeSales, one-and-a-half-point favorites on the road at Stevens. We have John Carroll, uh, four-point favorites on the road at Mount Union. Big game in the CCIW next, Elmhurst, one-and-a-half-point underdogs at Illinois Wesleyan. And then Wash U, six-and-a-half-point underdogs at Emory. And then our D3 Datacast, game of the week, Trinity, Connecticut, the Bantams, the computer likes them by five and a half points on the road at Tufts. Tons of road underdogs this week. Zach, let's go up to the top. DeSales and Stevens. Computer likes one and a half points as the spread. What do you think? I think I like road. I like home dogs, Matt. Um, Jack Spellman is what in one is one of the best bigs in Division Three basketball. More people should know his name. Give me Stevens. Uh, I'm gonna go the same direction as you, Zach. Stevens. Uh, the underdog at home, I like them to maybe win this game straight up, so give me a point and a half and I'll take it. The next game, John Carroll and Mount Union. What's your pick? Well, John Carroll absolutely destroyed Mount Union in their first meeting. So you could say that this is a revenge motivation game for Mount Union, but Matt, I think that John Carroll's really separated themselves at the top of the OAC. I'm going to lay the the four on the road and go with the blue streaks. Yeah, for me, these are two top 25 teams. You think two top 25 teams, maybe the home team uh, should not be four-point underdogs, but I'm not only going to say that that's fine, I'm going to also take John Carroll here. I think four points is not enough. Blue streaks are going to win by more. I'm really, really high in what John Carroll is doing right now. Going out to the CCIW, Zachary, your pick. Yeah, this is a huge one for the CCIW race. Illinois Wesleyan opened the door for Elmhurst with a loss at Milliken. I think they defend home court. Give me the Titans. I think Elmhurst has a chance. They're going to seize their opportunity uh, on the road. I think they're going to have a chance to win this game. I know the one and a half points is a tight spread, but I'm going to take Elmhurst to cover that one. Uh, Next, we're going down to Atlanta in the UAA. Your pick. Uh, I'm going to go wash you on this, Matt. This feels like... 
the six and a half is too big. I mean, I don't know that what you can trust out of Emery right now, except for I feel like one way or the other, it's going to be a tight game. I think it'll be inside six points. Give me Wash U. I would almost take every UAA game to be inside of six and a half points. Uh, so for, almost for that reason alone, I will take Wash U as well and think that this is going to be a close one. And then game of the week, your pick. I will once again go with the home dog here, Matt. Uh, five and a half, you know, maybe is not too big of a number, but my expectation is this is going to be a lower scoring game, which makes a five and a half point spread maybe feel bigger than it would if it was a higher scoring game. So give me the jumbos. I think this is a game that that Tufts could win straight up. Um, I don't know that they necessarily will, but I think they could. So five and a half, uh, I think it's too big at this point. So I will take the jumbos as well. I'll take Tufts to cover that spread. So we only have one game different this week, Zach, the big Elmhurst at Illinois Wesleyan game. That's going to be a biggie for our standings. See if I can draw even with you. Have roles reversed? Are you the one who's trying to make enemies in your picks now or what? I'm not trying to make any enemies. Why? Who's enemy? Who's an enemy? I don't know. It sounds like Bob Quillman has a Matt Snyder problem. Oh. All right, mailbag. All right, Matt, first mailbag here comes from national champion John Gleick. Which teams that aren't projected in the field are the most dangerous? And I think John recommends a few here. UW-Whitewater, final four last last year, preseason hype, underachieved, new coach. And his uh, beloved pointers beat Platteville and River Falls last week, lost at Trine by one, new coach, young team. Any uh, any initial reactions, Matt? I did go through, and I, I have a list of some teams that I think maybe fit the, the criteria. Now, first, let's, let's also point out, we had an entire episode talking yeah. about potential dark horse dark horses although we were framed it framed it in terms of not being in the top 25 at all this season so we were working under that framework this is a little bit of a different framework here uh any initial reactions matt before i go through a couple couple teams that are a few teams that i picked out yeah i didn't do a deep dive but teams that are not in my projected field right now um like elmhurst i think is just out but we've seen them be good i think they could they could win they're they're not in not in my field not because they're not a good team but because their metrics don't quite stack up right now but I think right. elmhurst is good they could be a second weekend team uh, another team maybe in a similar boat would be someone like claremont mud scripts mm-hmm. um, if they can find their way into the tournament by winning the sky hack i think they could be a very dangerous team be a second weekend team or beyond um so those two definitely stick out for me but i'd be interested in, in hearing your list as well i did have both elmhurst and claremont mud scripts picked out uh interesting to note matt cms hasn't lost in two months yeah they've been playing well um so a couple a couple more just to add to the list. I would go with a non-Rowan NJAC, right? I okay. think we we went through yeah. it. I think in terms of the NCAA criteria, Rowan is the team that looks safest right now. So if Rowan doesn't win the NJAC automatic bid, whoever gets in there probably uh, it will, could be dangerous. Um, and then maybe like a little bit of a deeper dark horse, Matt. I'm going to go with SUNY New Paltz. They just recently took Oswego to overtime. They seem like a team that's maybe putting it together a little bit. Uh, I will admit, not a team that's really hugely been on my radar during this season, but uh, I feel like they're just starting to pop up a little bit more, maybe playing their best ball. And, you know, certainly taking Oswego to overtime stands out. So I'm let, let's say they make a run in the Suniac Conference tournament, find their way into the tournament. 
hey, you never know. Yeah, for sure. Good picks. Good question, too. Thanks, John. All right, one more in the mailbag here, Matt, from MaxFan. I noticed that for your prediction tool, which will give a plug, daily predictions available at d3datacast.com, you automatically give three points to the home team. Massey has a home field advantage score per each team, although it's all within a very small range, 2.62 to 3.06. Have you considered including specific home field advantages in your predictions, or is it not worth it since the range is so small? I think for right now, I'm not really considering it. Um, it's, it's a little bit hard to calculate it per team and then to see how predictive that is and maybe how persistent that might be across seasons. Um, so I have not done that. I've been just more more of the constant three points. Um, I actually brought that down to three, but I think it was too high previous seasons. I might actually even bring that down again into next season, maybe more in like the two and a half range. Um, I did kind of build myself a little tool. And I think earlier on, I checked kind of maybe what the difference between uh, teams that had played on the like at home than on the road or vice versa in one season and what the scoring differential would be between those two in those situations is I think it's been a little bit closer to two and a half points this year. Uh, I have to rerun some of those numbers, but I might be changing it even down a little bit, but I'll probably just keep it flat across the board just for simplicity's sake. Um, I don't know, you know, necessarily how predictive that might be on any individual season to, and it would be just a lot of work to do it individually. So I probably won't. So the answer is it sounds like a lot of work, so you're not going to do it. (laughs) Got it. But man, it would be interesting. I know um, another plug for a QCast episode, Bob talked to Jacob Schauer, who's recently come out with with some um, rankings, and his specifically are meant to be predictive, right? Yeah. And Jacob had a good discussion and description of there about the different types of of rankings, and that you know some are predictive, some are not necessarily predictive, but um, you know even if it's not meant to be predictive, my understanding is that if it's really good, it has a certain amount of predictive value, which I think probably. You know, the, the stuff that we have on d3datacast.com fits more that description versus what Jacob's trying to do, which is specifically predictive. So it'd be interesting, him being um, someone who's looking at the predictive side of things, if he would have more of a customized home field advantage versus just like a straight three. Yeah, you'd have to develop that and then, you know, spend time figuring out... Uh, you know, what, what are the reasons why it would be just because it shows up as a home court advantage for a team doesn't mean that necessarily is what, what the home court advantage is. It's just what it's been observed to be. And you know, that like you know, true performance is like your observed performance plus, plus random variation. So a thing like home court advantage in any given season probably has a lot of random variation. So you have to figure out what is like the true value of that by the arena or the atmosphere or whatever, um, the travel conditions that road teams face, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that, that would be that would be a project for someone, and uh, that would be maybe not me right now. Fair enough. All right, that concludes the mailbag, Matt. For our listeners, if they have anything they'd like for us to address in a future mailbag, they can send it to us. Leave it as a comment on the YouTube episode. Find us on social media. Lots of ways to get a hold of us, and we would love to address your concern in a future episode, which leaves one thing to do, Matt, and that is to thank our dear patreon patreon supporters you can go to patreon.com slash d3 datacast for more information how you can connect with us at a deeper level support the show support uh everything that we've got on the site help keep it available for everyone no paywalls no ads uh we're so grateful for these people who've taken on what i like to call like a voluntary subscription 
so that that can all be available for everyone. And Matt, we have a new Great Job Team tier supporter. That's Bill Leahy. So thanks to Bill and the continued support of everyone else listed here. Yeah, shouts to Bill. Thank you so much. Thanks to everyone else on this list. We appreciate you participating with us. Uh, hope everyone enjoys the data on d3datacast.com, the episode this week as we predict the regional rankings. Those should be out Tuesday, um, and hopefully maybe we'll be out with a little bit of a reaction maybe later Tuesday night to see what we got right, what we got wrong, and what it might mean going forward. So maybe look out for some bonus content this time of year on our YouTube page, uh, things that we don't normally do, but with exciting regional rankings, you know, we'll maybe post an extra episode uh, throughout the week. So be on the lookout for that. I hope I'm not promising things without talking to you about that first, Zachary. Uh, but I'm thinking I'm looking forward clearing to my schedule. some of that. Uh, but yeah, I'm that's... Clearing, clearing my schedule as we speak. Yeah, get it get it moved out. We got important D3 stuff to do this, um, this week. But uh, it was a fun one. It was a long one. Sorry about the extra length, everyone, this week. But um, had a lot to talk about, 10 regions to get through. Um, and after that, this is a good job, team. 